I have a message on my heart. It's, it's wonderful the way you ask the Lord, Father, what do you want me to, to teach? And uh, he's very distinct when he comes on me and gives me the anointing for something. I really don't pick sermons out of a hat. So I'm very grateful for that because then you know he's bearing witness with you and you know it's for the people. Of course, it's for me. I'm living this um, as much as I'm teaching it. So I wanted to call this sermon tonight the wrestle of faith. The wrestle of faith. So if you can turn with me in your Bibles tonight to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 is where we'll start. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Now that one statement alone we could stay on all night. There is a war of the flesh that is absolutely useless and futile to get done the things that we need to get done in our lives. And the faster we cease from wrestling in the flesh and walking after the flesh, the faster we're going to get into the spirit, the faster we're going to get results. And uh, it takes learning to not engage the flesh because you have to let go of the flesh to get into the spirit. And it's a totally opposite realm. It's not the same at all. It's, it's different in that realm, but there's power in that realm. And so initially when you're learning, you may not see or understand the power in that realm, but it vibrates with power. That's the realm that we get into so that when we wrestle things, they get thrown down and cast down violently. And we begin to see these verses lived out in front of us where it says, you know, I give you power to trample, to tread upon, and nothing shall by any means hurt thee. And so it says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So we've, I think most of us have heard this passage and it thrills us and yet it's such a deep passage. Living it, it's, so, it's such a passage of victory and it's such a passage of uh, violence in the spirit. And yet our father, thank God, removes us from the realm of the flesh. Thank God that's not our walk anymore. Uh, that, that struggle in the fresh flesh, that fight, that uh, force of the flesh. Because that brings death. And so we want to disengage from that. So I did a word study, and I've done this on this section before, but I want to say it again. You know, here it says for the weapons. Weapons means offensive for war. Why is God using this kind of language with loving Christians? <laughs> I mean, anyone who's been in this church for any time knows that there is a real devil. There's a real satanic realm. But when I was younger and more, I just kind of inexperienced at life, um, looking around, life didn't seem to have too much trouble in it. Not too much commotion. There were some things that we could work against uh, and, and try to change, but I didn't understand the, the weapons of warfare wouldn't be needed against great strongholds. And I've learned this, that when you begin to learn spiritual things and you begin to press up against those strongholds, uh, Many times there's years that pass 
and you don't see things move. And there's reasons for that. Because a lot of times we don't, we don't know what we need to know to throw those things down. Or we have a head knowledge of it, but not a spiritual sense of dominion in our spirits about it. Because when we walk in dominion in the spirit, those things have to fall. Amen. They have to. They have to. It's God's weapons that he's given us. Don't forget that. They're weapons that God has given you. They're intended for the defeat of your enemies. When they surround you, when they're subtle and when they're loud in your face, they're intended for the downfall of those enemies. So don't ever get religious about that. Right. You know, we win some, we lose some. Um, you know, or, or this, if you're pressing up against something and nothing seems to be moving, it's because uh, you either need to know more, but don't be distressed about that because if you'll stay under the word, God will open up your eyes or you've got you to gotta pray in the spirit. Praying in the Spirit is key. You've got to pray long enough until you get over into that realm. And we stress that here a lot, but obviously this is a season for us to stress it. You have to pray long enough until your spirit is sensitive so that you can cease in the flesh. The flesh is a hamster wheel. Over and over and over and over and let's talk about it and over and over. And listen, if it's fixed with natural things, by flesh I don't mean sin, okay? I mean natural ways. Not all of that is bad, but if nothing's changing with the application of fleshly methods, then you're going to need these weapons of warfare that God's talking about. Do you know what I mean? You're going to need something more than just good common sense or the natural rules of life. They're needed. They're needed. But, but this, these weapons are for the impossibilities. They're for the things that every human on this planet fears when they encounter it. It's for those things. Now, we walk in Christ. So in that place, we don't have to be afraid. But we have to be sober. Because we're learning those weapons. We're learning to wrestle things to the ground. It says the warfare, right? The warfare is not carnal. And that word means military service, apostolic career in danger and hardship. What an awesome meaning. To serve in a military campaign, to execute duties and functions, to contend with carnal inclinations and army. And it says the weapons are not carnal, so they're not fleshly, they're not temporal, they're not unregenerate, and it says human passions. And it says for the pulling down, and I love this, the pulling down means the demolition, so think about the problems you're facing right now. These weapons are meant to demolish them, make extinct, destroy and I love this one, to lower with violence. So God's not mincing words about what victory looks like when this is accomplished. And strongholds means castles meant to hold. Do you ever see castles in Europe? They're, they're huge and ancient and strong, made of stone, many of them. It says fortified, and I love this, an argument. Strongholds. I think, of, I think of the natural when I think of that word, arguments. Do you ever get around someone who might be either an atheist or an intellectual 
or you name it. And the, the arguments, they, they plow into your being. You almost feel like you have to take a step back. These arguments. But it says that they're strongholds. They're strongholds of the mind. They've been concocted. And they rest in people until challenged by the word and the power of God. And we have been given weapons to pull down those strongholds, those castles. Have you ever seen a castle? I was in Wales, and they took us to see a 2,000-year-old castle. They're ancient, and they're impossible to pull down. That's what it seems like to me. It would take a missile or something like that. Seriously. You know, it's, it's so strong. And yet this word means castles meant to hold and fortified. They're meant to be strong. And then it says, casting down imaginations. And I love this. So it says to cast down, in, in these using these weapons, you are casting down computation, computing, reasoning, computing, computing, computing. Not that computation in and of itself is wrong. But, but when you're in an offensive for war to destroy something, the more you're in your mind, the more you are in your mind about it, in your reasoning, in your logic, you're not going to be able to change it. God has given us a total back door where you don't have to struggle in the flesh in a, in a, in a battle. You are alone with God in tearing that thing down. Isn't that awesome freedom? That you don't have to make somebody understand it. That you don't have to be smart enough to figure it out. You really don't have to be smart enough to figure it out. Because in computing things, years and years of your life can pass. You are so much better served in the prayer closet with God, praying out in the spirit until you are made sensitive until knowledge comes. That's your job is to pray out in the spirit until knowledge comes or bubbles up in your spirit until your spirit communicates to your mind what to do. This is, um, this is a, 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 an intimate walk with God and it's worth every single minute. <laughs> so it's computation, these imaginations, reasoning, conscience, conceit, uh, to despise. You know, I don't, I don't spend much time on social media. I don't have time. And if I did, I wouldn't spend it like that, although some of it is kind of neat. But there's this, this sweet southern girl on there. She's got the sweetest voice. And one day I saw her, you know, she had a clip, and she was comforting someone. And just the sweetness of her personality, I, put, I hit the follow button. I just like this girl. She was comforting someone, and she said her southern accent. I just loved it. I just, I just loved it. It was kindness, beautiful kindness, right? And so then, um, then recently I saw another clip, and I guess um, she, she is for the LGBT whatever Q community, and, uh, and someone had unfollowed her, and out came this almighty rant. And she was saying how her parents taught her to you know, love everyone and include and not cause anyone pain and, and how dare you make someone feel pain. And I, I watched her and I thought, see, she lacks knowledge. She's in her reasoning, right? It's reasonable to feel that by us not agreeing that uh, we're against, but that's actually not true. We are fighting for them. Yes. 
We are fighting for them. And so when you get in your head about uh, in our society with, with the reasonings and, and things, the flesh gets in there and it makes it ugly, it makes it confusing, and it, it, you can't get to the bottom of it. And the devil loves to get in there and make it all so ugly that you can't see top from bottom. But these weapons are meant to slice right through that. You'd know the truth and stand in that truth strong, immovable, in love. And it says, bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And that means submission, attentive heartening, and conforming to his authority. Conforming to his authority. And so we're in a dark society where if we get in our heads about things, about even social issues that are happening, we're not going to be able to stand because it, the word has to be the ultimate authority. For our weapons to work, the word has to be the ultimate authority. And so can I just encourage you tonight, at least you know, the world fights, everybody in the world fights against one another. Tribe fights against tribe, same skin color fights against same skin color. And then of course there's the opposites. But someone seems to always be fighting about something. At least you know. That if you're taking heat and being persecuted for the gospel's sake, that it's worth it. Yes. It's worth it to make a stand. Yes. You know, it's worth it. And that always remind yourself that you are fighting for them. Yes. The people that don't know the truth, don't know the Son of God as their Savior. You're fighting for them. And it'll help you. So Ephesians 6.12, let's go there. It says, for we wrestle, and that's where I got the title from, not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places. So let's go back to the beginning. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but we do wrestle against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places. Those are pretty amazing titles. They're not small things, but we wrestle them. And there's a wrestling that comes in our Christian walk. And, but we're meant to win. Amen. We're meant to learn skill. Amen. And it says, wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Could we say today's the evil day? Yes. And having done all to stand, and then it goes through. Stand, therefore, have your loins girt about with truth. So you start with truth. You don't move off of truth. When pressure comes, you don't move off of truth. You keep your eyes glued on truth. Because he's the rock, and his name is Jesus. And having on the breastplate of righteousness, that's a life that is pure. Because if you fall down, there's forgiveness. You just repent and you keep going. But I mean a life that is wanting to be pure. There's a, there's a flow. A walk of purity is not meant to be uh, difficult, confusing, conflicting, uh, up and down, uh, a big checklist. No, it's like a fountain that flows up from within. It's just, it's like driving your car. You just, you don't drive every single, you know, movement. I remember when I, uh, Coley's driving now. And so when, when I learned to drive, I remember my mother telling me, look down the road. Look, look, don't look over your hood. 
you know, you, you're just looking over your hood. And of course, uh, mom, <laughs> like that, right? Mom, you know, and she said, look down the road. Jennifer, for goodness sakes, look down the road. And then dad started to teach me. <laughs> she was a good teacher, but I was touchy. <laughs> I was learning to drive. But, but it, I, it stuck with me. She was right, because my gaze initially was just over the hood. I don't know why. I had no experience, and I had to make so many corrections just to stay within that lane. But the second I got my gaze up, it was so easy to just flow. And that's the difference in a life that is sin conscious. If every time you go into your prayer closet, you are asking God to forgive you of sin, you have not even hit the flow that is available to you through righteousness. I don't mean that you're not righteous. I mean that you're sin conscious. There is a flow, like a bursting forth of a fountain that is so easy. So when you touch the wrong thing, you just get right, you don't, you know it. You're not sitting down trying to write out things where maybe you could have been wrong because in that is a whole host of condemnation. That is not, that is not the flow of heaven because you have an advocate with the father so that when you fall down by faith, you ask for forgiveness, it's done. If you meant it, it's done. And the faster you can get up and keep going, instead of worrying about all these little corrections, little corrections. I'm not saying that corrections don't need to be made, but they're kind of made on the way. Do you understand what I mean? Rather than being the focus. The focus is not about every single little adjustment. It's about looking at him, and when you when you need when he taps you back into the lane, you just quick, just quick. Not oh God, I'm so horrible. I'll never get this right. No, there is a flow of righteousness for you, and you may not be avail you may not be availing yourself of it. But if you keep keep coming to church, keep listening to the word, it'll become like breathing, and the checklist goes out the window. It's out the window. It's there's a flow of righteousness. And it's not, it has, I'm telling you, it is as far from sin consciousness as the East is from the West. It doesn't mean that you don't know when you sin. You absolutely do. But, but there's the consciousness of it is totally not your flow. It's not. Just like being devil conscious is not your flow. But all, it's all about Jesus. And then when he pops his head up, you deal with him. Or you begin the wrestle. Because maybe you tried to deal with him and nothing budged. But you know the word is true. There's more work to do and there's more knowledge. Because it's not that God, it's not that it's hard. It's that you're hardwired to the flesh. So now you have to learn the wiring of the spirit. And that's why when it's said from the pulpit, you don't know enough. It's not condescending. It's not meant to make you feel like it's difficult. It's just an awareness of your spirit and him living within your spirit. That's what you have to come alive to. And that comes precept upon precept, experience by experience. And then it says, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. It is a fight, and yet it's peaceful. The stand of faith is a peaceful. It is a peaceful stand. Frantic has nothing to do with faith. Nothing to do with faith. There's not an ounce of being frantic in the spirit of faith. It's not in that flow whatsoever. You can distinguish one from the other by a frantic element. Above all, taking the shield of faith. You can't do anything without faith. You're shot in the water without faith because you can't believe his promises. You can't do your side. All these beautiful promises and without faith, you can't access any of it. It's been done. 
It's been provided, but faith is how we access it. Because you're believing, and in the believing comes the renewing of the mind, comes the confession that turns into meditation. Because our confession is meditation of the word down into our heart, and it just comes out. Everywhere, it just comes out. It's an automatic. You don't have to drag it out. You don't have to do your list. You've meditated it down. It is there when you need to pull it out. It's there. And walk, walk in it. Wherewith you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. So these fiery darts are coming. Okay? And the goal is to quench all of them. Every single one of them. Yeah. Every one of them. If you watch... If you read about the Apostle Paul, you know, it goes from, you know, just special acts were done, you know, through the laying on of these handkerchiefs because the anointing went in and devils came screaming out of people. So you get the glory of that in his life, the ease of that raising someone from the dead because they dropped out of a tree. You get that. You get him, you know, turning and casting the devil out of that girl with the divination spirit that was following them. You get that. But then, then you also get Paul beseeching the Lord saying, remove this, this evil messenger sent to buffet me. You get that. It says three times Paul sought the Lord. So you're seeing something prolonged that he hasn't been able to turn yet. So you're seeing that, which is different. You're seeing Paul ache over the churches and time is passing. And he's got to send people to them. So there's a journey in this Christian walk. Some things you're going to trample on right away, and other things you're going to need to know how to, you're going to need to learn. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. So there is a great wrestling, and this wrestling, I liken it to. Uh, going in and dismantling things behind the scenes. So it looks a certain way to your eyes. And in the natural, it is that way. Like it's, people are not faking. It is what it is. What you see, whether it's a disease, whether it's somebody who's rebellious, whether it's a family that's blown apart, whether it's, you name it. You name it. Financial ruin coming down the line. (laughs) Whatever it is. It's real, right? But in this wrestling, these weapons of warfare, you're able to go in and tear it apart before anybody can even see what you've done. And there's so much strength in that. And every day you get up, you go in, you tear a little bit more down. And I'm I'm talking very, very uh, realistically. That is the mindset of the victor. I know what it looks like. And you turn your back to it. Did you hear me? You completely turn your back to it. This is for the ones who are exercising faith. Because there are some things, like I said, that are going to be speedy. And then there's other things where you're going to get into it. And you're not seeing movement. And Paul talks about it. He talks about it. He talked about Asia. And I'll I'll read the scripture because I've got it in here about we were pressed beyond measure. We despaired even of life. Not every situation was like that for Paul. But the dismantling, the dismantling can happen every single day. But if you're enamored with what you see, and listen, we're all like it. 
We're all like it. No condemnation. And let's face it, some people are facing some pretty difficult things. But if you are so taken with what you see and you are not in behind the scenes, in tongues, in intercessions, in supplications, in meditating the word and speaking to that mountain, if you're not dismantling daily, that season's going to be prolonged and the knowledge that you need that will come to you, come up out of your spirit because you're praying in tongues. It'll come. It will come. If you're not doing that, you're losing time. You're losing time. We say it other ways, like praying out the plan and, and, and all of that is perfect way to describe it. Listen, we gather here, for instance. We'll gather on a Tuesday or anytime it hits us, to be honest. Wednesdays it happens too. We are praying for that apostolic call, right, to go into nations. I know my husband has gotten up here and talked about the Philippines and if we're going to have a far-reaching effect inland, then the prayer right now has to happen. If prayer like that can change a nation... Now, it's ongoing. What is changing a nation? It's changing the mindsets of men. It's tearing down strongholds, imaginations of reasonings and conceit that stay in the minds of the atheists, the godless, the religious, the ignorant who don't know, don't know anything, just don't know, don't care to know or never thought about it. And they, there's lots of people like that too, which is hard to understand, but it's true. There's many categories. So if that intercession and supplication and calling, remember God told us about this season. It's actually got years in it because we are going and we are dismantling without ever walking on the soil to push back darkness. Now, how in the world? And yet that spirit realm has weapons that are so strong that dismantling those demonic things that are in place, it's going ahead of us. And all, we don't have to fight in the flesh, thank God. We don't have to figure it all out. We're not going to figure it all out. But we can get here and we can yearn and intercede. So how much more? And I mean this, and you'll understand what I mean. Not that it's stronger, but when you are facing something that pertains to you, and God offers you the same weapons, not nose to nose with the subject, not trying to fix it in the natural, although you can go as far as you can in the natural, and that's not wrong. But, but there has to be a flip, flipping the switch of the spiritual if you're going to see the changes that we read about in these books of the generals of faith. And prayer was, was all of it. And then listening to what the Spirit said. You pray until you're sensitive. Your life is led. You're led by prayer. You're led by the Spirit. Do you understand that? And He wants to, I'll tell you something neat, He wants to do it so that you're so sensitive that you don't book vacations unless you've talked to the Spirit about it. And you don't have to say words. You just get a piece or a green light and then you go, or no, it doesn't feel right, or it feels flat. People say, what? He wants you to know the simple to the extremely complex, not a movement without his knowledge. And yet that knowledge comes so easy. You just check your spirit and you know. It's not days and days and days. Some things are because they carry more weight. Um, I'll give you a small example. I was, I was amused by it. We were here on uh, Tuesday morning, and we were, pr- we were praying, and, and I don't make lists anymore because the Holy Spirit just is like grabbing hold of a live wire, and it's so distinct. And I, I'm so pleased that he gets to pray about what he wants to. So I don't pre-plan anything, but we were praying out about the glory center, and, and um, that was awesome. His, his words were awesome. 
But then when I got in the back room, my brother went with me and he said, uh, he said, you know, he said, the spirit said to me that you would stop at 12 o'clock sharp. And he said, as soon as you stop, he said, I looked in at my watch. He said it was 12 o'clock sharp. Now, this is, uh, let me explain this because I really, really want to, I'm going past my notes, but you'll, you'll forgive me, right? Let me see. Okay, so this is what I wanted to say. So this can seem like useless knowledge. Just think about it. What does it matter? If I start at, stop at 12, 12, 10, what does it matter? Why did the spirit tell my brother she'll stop at 12 o'clock exactly? It seems pointless. So here's why, because the Lord spoke this to me. He said, this can seem like useless knowledge until you understand that it is to be very skilled in his orchestration. Because the understanding of that in lesser things, and that was a lesser thing, means great precision and perfection in bigger things. Therefore, encompassing the whole. Therefore, it's spirit-led whether you're going on vacation, whether you get a little bit of a something to step back from someone, or I don't know why, I just feel like this, is, this is, feels good to me. We should do this. And everything comes out of that. Now, before you're used to that in your life, there can come a fear that you can't hear God. But nobody's special. Nobody's the favorite. We're all the favorite. And that's why we say it over and over again. Spend time. Listen, it's not about putting fear in you. But it, spending time, without that spending time, you're not going to have precision. You're not going to have orchestration. Things are going to be missed. Right? And you don't want to live that. You don't want to live like that. You want to know. It's such a life of victory. And when God tells you something, then if the, if the walls shake or the ground looks a little bit like an earthquake or things get a little bit messy, you're on a solid rock. So it doesn't matter. Because you always go back to, no, I know the leading. I know the leading. And so I just thought that was precious. And, but that's what the Lord said to me. It's to know the orchestration so that there can be exact precision. That's for all of us. And that's how he wants us to live. So let me read this to you. I, I was talking about dismantling behind the scenes. This is Lillian B. Yeoman's um, story in her book. I think it's, yeah, the healing, His Healing Power. And she says, it's just a couple paragraphs. It is possible we have all read the story of the blowing up of Hellgate in New York Harbor, an engineering feat that was considered very remarkable at the time of its performance a number of years ago. When it was decided to remove the dangerous rocks which had caused the loss of many ships and previous lives, large gangs of men were set to work to honeycomb these treacherous rocks with drills. When the drilling was completed, powerful explosives were placed in position and the hole was wired and connected with batteries located many miles away. When the hour announced for the explosion arrived, the chief engineer was in his office in New York City with some officials and his staff of assistants. On his knees sat his tiny granddaughter and in front of him on his desk was an insignificant looking key or button, by means of which little Mary was to blow up Hell's Gate. How it was to be accomplished, she had not the remotest idea. That was Grandpa's business. But that it would be done, she could not doubt. 
For had not Grandpa said so, and with perfect confidence, that as she did it, those gigantic rock masses were splintered into fragments and scattered to the four winds, just as Grandpa had told her. She pressed the button with all of her might. Far away in the distance, a dull, booming sound was heard, and in a moment, the message was flashed over the wire. Hell's Gate is no more. The touch of a child's finger, in obedient faith in her grandfather's word, unlocked the forces that his wisdom had provided for the demolition of the frowning obstacles. But the touch, feeble as it was, was requisite. It was required. Though everything necessary to the clearing of the channel was finished, the child's finger had to release the power. <laughs> Do you understand the allegory? God's word is full of salvation for spirit, soul, and body, eternal and glorious deliverance for the entire man has been spoken. It is being spoken for it liveth and in back of it is omnipotence. <laughs> but we, children as we are, must press the button with our tiny fingers. I love that. I love that. When God's people do this in its fullest sense, the message will be flashed in heaven. Hell's gate is no more. I mean, come on. That is a, that is a beautiful picture of the power of God. But, but we got to hit the button, right? And it sounds simple, but these, this is what these weapons are for. This is what this wrestling is. The wrestle of faith is, is no. You're not going to do that. No, I'm going to change it. No, I'm going to overthrow it. No, I'm going to set up the explosives until there's enough of it in there that when we push the button that final time, it will fall. And I had the blessed opportunity to see that some time ago when I was believing for something. And the more I prayed, the worse it looked. I mean, I, when you're experiencing it, I, I had to drag my eyes and my heart away. I, it was so, can I say the word devastating would not be too light a word? In the flesh, I, I would hit, okay, can I just say this? It would hit my nervous system. I'm not used to that. I have not experienced that throughout my life with different battles, but this one was a different demon and the strongest that I had encountered. And it would hit my nervous system and my stomach would quiver and my knees would be weak. All day my, I'd lose strength in my knees, but I kept talking because I knew that he's given us the victory. So if, I, if I'm sitting with the Lord and there's intercession that comes for that day, and, and it would, he was faithful. The intercession would come. Sometimes it would come with tears. Sometimes it would come with a yell. Sometimes it was quiet as a whisper. I didn't work anything up. I just waited on him. And then, and, and, and it went on and on. And I would have these amazing times, at times, not always, but at times in prayer, I would walk out of it thinking, that's it. I mean, I'm going to walk and check this out and it's going to, it's, it's perfect. It's going to be perfect. And I would walk into it and I'm telling you, it was like someone turned up the furnace seven times hotter. It was hellish. And I thought, I would, that's how you got to keep your mind. What does the word say? And when, okay. Okay, should I say this now, Lord, or should I wait? Uh, I will tell you, but. I'll go, I'll go back and I'll, I'll read it to you now. Okay, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, 
verse 3 to 10. It says, Paul knew how to get through oppressive circumstances. Okay? So it says, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Now, please don't read that with your religious mind. Because Paul is saying we're beyond comfort, and yet this comfort that God gave was more than enough. That's a spiritual comfort. You can't comfort in the natural like that. It's not enough. It's not enough. It's a spiritual comfort, and don't forget it. It's a, it's a weapon of warfare, this comfort. Okay? Who comforts us in all our tribulation that we may be able to come. Now, listen to this. So Paul is saying God is coming in our tribulation and he's comforting us. And I'm telling you about it by the spirit, this comfort that comes from heaven. In all our tribulations, so there's a lot going on that we may be able to comfort them. Why? Which are in any trouble. Paul's saying this knowledge that we gain in this particular battle we're in right now. And he does. He talks about Asia in this chapter. He's saying God has come to us in a comfort that made us knowledgeable of, of God's comfort. And he's saying, now that we've learned this comfort, that it's more than enough, we can go comfort the brother. And what's he saying? I'm going to teach you how to be comforted in great tribulation. That's what he's saying, if you read it. that He says, who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble, by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, this is the pressure of the devil, so our consol oh, I love it. So our consolation also abounds in Christ. Did you, did you hear that? For as the sufferings of Christ abound, they're coming against us from all sides. And he turns around and says, so our consolation also abounds in Christ. So whatever is being poured out on us, God is meeting it nose to nose. We are fine. That's what he's saying. And he's saying not only that, if you read it, he's saying, we've learned enough. We're going to comfort you. We're going to tell you what to do. We're going to show you what to do. And when you hit something and it doesn't turn immediately, instead of you beating yourself up and thinking, I don't have the faith or I'm doing something wrong, you can be like Paul who knows, who knows how to hunker down, be consoled by God and stay there when tribulation is hitting against his life because he overcomes it. He absolutely overcomes it. And whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation. What is salvation? It talks about the deliverance of God. He is again saying, we're afflicted, but we're going to bring that consolation to you because it's a part of your salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer. Now, you know he's not talking about sickness, okay? He's not talking about our covenant. He's talking about the enemy is coming against him. Okay, or whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. Do you understand what he's saying? This knowledge is coming, and now I'm sharing it to the churches that you would know so that you can stand just like me. It's important to have a spiritual head. He learned something. Now he's writing about it to the very people that are underneath him that need this knowledge. And our hope of you is steadfast, knowing that as you are partakers of the sufferings, so shall you also be of the consolation. For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia. Uh, listen, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, in so much that we despaired even of life. This, this is Paul. Yeah. It's coming against him so much that he's despairing of life. Life seems, listen, life can get so tough. 
and so bad and so demonic these storms can get that you, life don't seem worth living. He's not saying he's suicidal. He's saying life, John G. Lake said it best. He said, God took him down into the solids of life where there was no jingle. What's he saying? I am going through a massive battle. The devil stood up against him. He didn't live there. He didn't stay there. But he had to learn how to come out of it. What did, what did God say to Paul? Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. Now learn that grace. And then Paul goes, okay, I will glory in my sufferings. So the sufferings are here. I'm going to glory my way out of it. If you read it, if you study it, if you look at the, what the words mean in the Hebrew, that's exactly what it means. Paul overcame. He says, I love this, but we had the sentence of death in ourselves. So what does that mean? The flesh is not going to conquer here because we're sold out to God. We're not doing the fleshly thing. We're doing the spiritual thing. That we should not trust in ourselves. I love this. But in Christ, which raises the dead. So he talks about death to the flesh and a resurrection of life. Right here. Right here. Resurrection life. Stronger than any battle that you will ever go through. And that's why we sound like a broken record. Pray in tongues. 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 He'll make you sensitive. He'll, he'll make you skillful. It's not boring. Don't listen to the devil. I pray in tongues all the time. It's, it's, it's like breathing. It's so easy. Okay? Who, and this one is, but in Christ which raises the dead, and I love this, who delivered us from so great a death, who saved us, right? Who delivered us from so great, we were hopeless, he delivered us from this death and does deliver. So he's still delivering. In whom we trust. I love this. That he will yet deliver us. Amen. So we're facing all the trouble, but he, we were dead to ourselves. We trust in Christ who delivers, who will deliver us. He were trusting. He will yet deliver us. Amen. Glory to God. So if you're in something that is prolonged, please don't quit. Please don't quit. Amen. Learn. Learn. Because the word will back you. The word says that he causes us to triumph. It says he always causes us to triumph in Christ with these weapons. Ask him. Ask him how. You're to conduct yourself. Ask him what you're to do. Well, I've asked him and I can't hear from him. Then you haven't prayed enough in tongues to be sensitive to his voice. But you will. You will. He will talk to you. He will. This is, this is the whole purpose of the New Testament life is to get you skillful. Is to get you completely overcoming. Is to get you understanding the anointing is to get you overcoming things that you might need miracles for, but who cares? Because the one who's got miracles lives in, lives within. And the recently the Lord spoke this to me, and I'm sure it's been preached to me, but you know, you can drag and not get things. And I thought, Lord, I, sh I should have realized this, but it used to bother me when I would see in the word about, you know, the gifts and it says the, the spirit wills. Not that that bothers me that it's by his will, but it, I, I hate anything that feels random. Like I can't access it. But see, that's the young, that's the unrenewed thinking. Because really what God wants you to do is pray in the spirit, 
walk in the spirit, use your own faith, and then begin a frequency of these gifts. Because if you'll do your part, his whole design is to cause frequency, frequency of the gifts, not a sense of not attaining, a sense of attaining. And if you're going into a situation and you're so aware, because you're meditating, right? You're meditating. You're meditating the word down on the inside. And you're, if you're aware that the word promises me victory and you will not let the devil take you off of that word. As you meditate it down into your spirit, you're aware of his might and you're aware that if I bring my faith to it in fullness, God has to kick in. He has to. He wants to. But he has to. But let me say this. I've learned this in a greater measure in some things that have been happening in my life lately. Um, adamant faith is good. The strength of conviction in your heart is good until you are so adamant that you are not being sensitive to the leading of his spirit. It's true. It trumps everything. And what I mean is this. By his stripes I'm healed. We know that. Well, now you can get in your reasoning about healing so much you won't even go to a doctor. No, but it says I have a covenant. And you can be at it. You can bang away. By stripes I'm healed. By stripes I'm healed. Almost like if I say it enough, God's obligated. I'm going to say it because you said it. You said if I would speak to this, you would do this and this. And you can become so adamant that you're not listening to any, you're not even asking. You're not even asking him what should I do. Because it's not about the strength of the covenant. It's about where you're at. Where you're at. And God can lead you into a doctor's office and you can be checking your spirit and feel the smile of heaven on the inside of you. I've experienced that. I thought, but, but, but my husband has told me on several occasions, I don't know what it is, Jan. I just feel like, I just feel like you need to go and check, something, check that out. And I'm adamant. No. I've, and I've got victories behind me. I'm adamant. No, I know, I know, I know, I know. And then I heard the Lord say to me, listen to your husband. And then I stopped and I realized all that time I had not checked my spirit once. I was just adamant. But it wasn't that the covenant is not going to do what it says. It's that it's on my side. I was not listening. I was not hearing. The second I asked him, he said, go to the doctor. And I went, I tell you, I'm not exaggerating. I promise you I wouldn't do that. I almost skipped like a little girl into the doctor's office. The peace resonated. Now you might say, well, why? I don't even, I don't know why. I don't know why. But I've had, (laughs) since I've done that, I can see a ripple effect of healing. And the doctor hasn't done anything or prescribed anything. And I'm still like, okay, if I don't learn anything else but this, check with God. Because check with God. It's not about you will prove his word, but how is you proving his word any different than listening to his leading? It's not a confession of defeat. He's trying to lead you. Pastor Nancy says it this way. You get rutted. And she said, he wants you walking a walk of faith. And listen, sometimes you can't figure it all out. Sometimes it is because you don't know enough and you're mental about a promise, but it's not, it's not going to manifest. 
And sometimes it's not anything to do with you being mental. It's just a certain way that God wants to lead you and he's going to bring, he's going to bring this into place and then this into place. And it's, it's a beautiful marriage. So we, we will tell you from this pulpit, from the word of God, that God promises healing every time. And he does. But he's dealing with us. He's dealing with us. And my husband says it like this. He says, Jen, remember what Dad Hagen said. You know, you hang enough on your faith, like the curtains. Remember Aretha wanted the curtains? He said, if you don't get it with your faith, you put that on my faith, it's all going to crumble down to the, gr the ground. Now, our minds don't like to hear that. We want to hear that faith is inexhaustible because we just want to. But, but it's God's inexhaustible, not us. He's inexhaustible, but not us. And I don't mean that in a way of defeat, but God will guide you. If you'll listen to his spirit, he'll tell you what to focus on. And then you will begin to take ground and take ground and take ground. But don't be adamant. St be adamant about being in faith, but don't be adamant about how he's going to lead you. Amen. Check your spirit. Don't wait for a voice. We, we teach that here. Be led by your spirit. If, and I use the doctor as an example. Yeah. If that feels good to you and you don't have to know why, don't get adamant. Don't flip back in your mind to go, no. You know, he's the great physician and, and I want surgery without cuts, you know, and I, he's going to do it. Listen to him. Don't be adamant. That's just one example, but that's also every area. But I want this. Yes, but he has to lead you into that. Yes. Well, he told me I'm going to have businesses. He has to lead you into that. Yes. In the timing. It's the same thing can be related to going to the doctor. Yes. He can lead you into perfect healing and say, get yourself to that doctor. Yes. And, and I really believe with all my heart, that as we get older, with a heart full of faith, we should navigate those waters with knowledge. It just, it's so, way, so much to be able to do it without any compromise and yet without all the pressures of not knowing, knowing where you are and working within that with knowledge, with great faith. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? I hope I've made it clear. I don't want to be confusing. I just have experienced the Lord leading me and I realized I didn't ask him. I didn't ask him. I didn't think I needed to. It was this, this, and this. And since I learned that, I ask him now, I'm asking him about everything. And I believe that might be one of the main things is to be sensitive that you need to ask me. Don't assume it's going to look a certain way. If you get into that habit, young, 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 asking him and waiting for that looking to your spirit, looking to your spirit, he'll begin to identify his leadings within your spirit and you'll have great success. And you won't be feeling like I prayed and I've prayed and I've prayed. I've prayed and I've prayed. I can't get answers. Something's wrong. It doesn't take long. It takes a moment to get healed. Listen, two weeks ago, I was listening to Pastor Nancy. It was like 28 minutes and I, did, I was doing my workout. <laughs> 20-minute workout with some weights and I'm watching her because I just it's a great way to get the extra in I want to hear her all the time so I'm working out and there's like seven minutes left and in the end she starts uh, calling out by word of knowledge different ailments and she calls out an ankle and I just went oh glory to God that's me because I had injured my ankle because I like to walk long distances and I wore sneakers that didn't have the proper support and so I hurt my ankle and it was two months of 
solid pain. And I kept walking on it because I, I have to. I need to walk and pray. So anyway, she called it out, and it was just like that. In two seconds flat, healing went into me, and I have, I'm totally whole. Amen. So there's, don't get rutted. Just know that he's going to lead you into healing, but let him lead you into it. I don't think that's anywhere in my notes. I went from Paul, and <laughs> I'm sure you'll be able to piece it all together at some point. But anyway, I hope it makes sense to you. Um, is there anything else I want to say before I go? Uh, okay, I do want to say this. Uh, why do we have to wrestle? If Jesus, the Almighty, and God's so powerful, why, why all this wrestling? Why all this time? Why? Because you are on Satan's turf. You're, on his, you're in his dom- domain. He has dominion over this earth. And, and we don't know what happened, how, fell, how far we fell. We don't. But the atmosphere, the very atmosphere is charged with demonic power. And they believe they own this planet. Now they're ruling it in authority right now. But Jesus cut through all of that and came down and made a legal right that if we would do what he said, we could overcome all the legalities of Satan because Jesus legally won our freedom. So when we call upon that freedom and put into action what has been given to us, the devil does not sit back and congratulate you because you figured out the truth. He goes into full alert to stop you. He goes into full on assault to stop you. And that's why you have to stand, remember, having done all to stand. Stand, but you're also growing in knowledge. You're also learning how to use those weapons. You'll know you're growing up in Christ in a, in an, a, a higher level when all hell breaks loose and you absolutely are able to turn your back on it and remain in total peace. It's not mental peace. It's a turning, it's a spiritual action. It's a spiritual action. And there is a realm that you're supposed to live in and it's always peace. It's always peace. If you're getting outside of peace, you're not in the flow of heaven. I'm not saying things that you don't feel it. But there is a turning off of the mind and an engaging of the spirit because in your spirit is the word and the meditation of that. When, you, when things can come against you and it not move you at all, not move your conversation, not move your, your, your moods, you're steadfast. That's a victor. That's a soldier. That's someone who wrestles things when they come, wrestles it to the ground, and stands on it. Now, when I was younger, I used to think, if there's a mountain that comes and I speak to it, well, it's going to listen. It, do, it will listen. But don't think that you're failing if there's wrestling involved. Because the season will turn. Remember what we said. It will come to an extinction. We are anointed, oh my God, we are anointed to change our families. We're anointed to change our finances. Anywhere there's death or the curse or ignorance 
or darkness. We have the right to go in and dismantle it. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that you don't have to do it in the natural? There's no victory most of the time doing things in the natural. But God, that's what he anoints us when we pray because he'll turn every one of us into an intercessor of sorts. Some people might do it longer, or, but, but I'm telling you, he wants us to so come into this, flood into this place and get in the spirit, do business with God and walk out light and free. But he wants us doing that in our home so that when things come, we know you're not coming in here. And even if it looks like there's a tussle for a while, or things don't look like they're going your way. I remember when, when David Hogan came a few years back. Actually, it was the time before the last time he came. I appreciated his candor because I said, like, how's everything going in Mexico? How's the work? How's it going? And he goes, he looked at me and he said, it's going sideways on us. All this work and the cartels are coming in like a flood. And it's a reality I know nothing of, to be honest, but it's hell. And they see hell and the oppression of it, and the injustice of it. And uh, he says, going sideways on us. He said, uh, you know, we could use your prayers. He said, because we're, we're staying in there. And what were they doing? They're wrestling. They're wrestling. They're, re they're saying no, and hell is all around them. But you know something? I, I remember being taken with that. I appreciated that he was honest, and I thought, how does an apostle, like, how does he measure things? My mind just started to think that way. Like, what's he seeing that's... Because he's a spiritual man. This is not just what he's seeing in the natural. He's, he's tapping and mining into the realm of the spirit. What is he wrestling? What's he seeing? What's the pressures coming against him and his family? You know, what demonic things are being revealed so that he can wrestle them to the ground and cause them to be extinct? And uh, so I, you know, I, I didn't get the answer to that, but that's how I was thinking. And the next time I saw him, was, I think it was two years later, again, we're asking, like, what's happening, Brother David? There's new work springing up. He's in Europe and India. And, and he said, uh, he looked at me with a, with a big smile, and he said, my God, he said, we've just seen the power of God just come in like a flood. We've seen such a change. I love that. That's, he's talking about, nations that he's touching and he can, he can measure it and say it came like Paul. I wouldn't have you ignorant of the trouble that we encountered in Asia. Press beyond measure. But we, we believe. Oh, I love it. Let me read it one more time. Let me read it one more time. But we had the sen sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust. That sentence of death means I trust you. I trust you. But in Christ who raises the dead who delivered us from so great a death. What's he talking about? The cross and the resurrection and does deliver in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. And oh, to walk with people that have those verses tattooed across their spirit. We believe he will yet deliver us. Why? Because he already delivered us from so great a death. We refuse to trust in ourselves. We refuse. Why? Because these weapons promise victory. And when David said, we're pushing it back, there's a change, I thought, yes! Oh my goodness, yes! This is, this is real victory. Not religion. Not get along street. Yes, there's a tussle. Remember, he said, looks like it's going sideways on us. 
He's saying that after a whole season of pushing, they're fasting, they're praying, and God's going to lead this church into the same thing because this is an apostolic work, which means when the devil stands up, we have to, like Paul, know the weapons, know to stand on the word and know it will turn. It has to. And we stay there and we pray in tongues so that knowledge comes up and the thing has its head taken clean off. If you study David's battles, those Philistines never won. They campaigned against David. They would strike against David and strike against David. They never, ever, ever defeated him. Never. David knew how to walk with God. David would dance before the Lord. David took a few men and went and won back against insurmountable odds his wives that were taken from him. Remember? And the the people turned against David because they were in such pain. What did David do? Like he was in the same pain. But what did he do? He went and he took it back because he was a man of war. And we're talking about the wrestle. We're talking about weapons of warfare. They're real. They're meant to demolish strongholds. Logic, reasoning against the truth. We're going to preach this gospel and the environment is hostile. But God told my husband in a very personal word, and he shared it with the church so I know I can say it. No man will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. Now, he did not say that to the Apostle Paul. He called the Apostle Paul aside and told him the things that he must suffer. That was Paul's path. But God didn't say that to us. So we get our gear on and we dismantle. And we learn. And I know some people probably get a little freaked out, like, what's all the military talk? And geez, you know, like, seriously, is it that serious? Yeah, it's that serious. It is. It's that serious. Intercessions and supplications making the impossible possible. God's got to go out and get our families for us, the unsaved ones that won't listen to us, to think it's a bunch of nonsense. I'm serious. There's so much. But you can't reason, right? I'm sure most of us have tried. You reason, you say, and we'll continue to do what we can in the natural. But that's not where our power lies. Our power lies in the weapons of our warfare, not being carnal. We do not war after the flesh. You know, and I'll I'll finish with this. The Apostle Paul, before he says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, remember he says we don't walk after the flesh? He's talking to the church, and they're saying, oh, this is what they said. Paul, you know, when he comes to us in person, he's kind of like humble and meek and different from his letters. In his letters, he's bold. He's telling us off. off. He's delivered such and such unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh. That's the context of this. And that's why he leans in and he goes, we're not walking after the flesh. You're assessing me. I'm with you one way. I go, I write a letter of the spirit. You're assessing it like it's a fleshly thing. And this anointing comes on me to be bold and to construct and establish the churches, and it's the spirit. This is weapons. These are weapons of warfare to keep the church clean. And you're assessing me by my presence. Bold one in his letters, weak in the flesh. It has nothing to do with that. And so 
This walk of the Spirit, this church is called. There's so many out there that don't understand this. This is where we live. We live in that, that realm, praying in other tongues. It's so precious. It is so precious to have His Spirit communicating with you all the time. I was writing something down. And then I wrote something else, and I'm really trying to be a faithful scribe because remember God told my husband, if we don't write it down, we'll lose it? It's amazing what you lose. And you lose it fast. Why? Because there's a lot of things happening. There's a lot of words. There's a lot of knowledge. And so I'm, I haven't got a chance to write it all down, so I've figured out I need to audio record. So anyway, I'm, I'm writing it down and writing it down and writing it down and writing it down. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like two weeks, and the list is this long. My life was not always that way, but there is a frequency now, and I'm praying, and, and I protect that time. I build it in, it is my number one, and it's not out of duty. I have finally awakened to the life of the Spirit and what it means, and it is my great privilege to stand here to you and instruct you and teach you that that, that door is wide open for you. That's how you overcome when a messenger of Satan is sent to buffet you and you have addictions and you have this and you have this mess and you are in a situation and you can't get out of it, you go and you find yourself your prayer closet and you start praying in tongues. Yeah, and listen, some people need the devils cast out of them. Guess what? You can go in behind the scenes, dismantle the works, and the day will come, they'll wake up and they'll be in their right mind and they'll be healed. I'm telling you, these are the things. This is, this, we're believing it for nations. We're believing for a wave of healing to go, a wave of deliverance. We can't get to everybody, but when the presence of God goes before us because we've prayed it out, it will be so effective. Same for your families. Same for your life. You were never born for destruction. You were never born for failure. God's already given you the victory. He's given you the victory in the Spirit. You access it by praying in the Spirit. Praying in the spirit until that knowledge comes up and you wake up and he's speaking to you or he's highlighting a verse to you or he's giving you a warning or he's giving you a green light and you're constantly turning to the source of him within your spirit. You will not lose. You will not lose. You will not lose. You will not go on bad vacations. You will not make bad investments. I know because I've made them. Both of them. You will be, you, he will be able to steer you because just an inflection within your spirit, you'll know, no, no, something's like, no, that's not right. I've met people on the outside that are so wonderful, but on the inside there's a no, and I'm not against them. It's just there's a caution. So I watch, but they don't know. And I'm not watching them to criticize. I'm for them, but I'm, when the spirit highlights... I was standing on this stage, and I'm finishing with this. There was a, I won't tell too many details, because I don't, I have to be discreet, but I was standing on this stage, this was when I was doing backup on the worship team. And a person walked into the church, and came in and sat down where, Anna, where you are, in this section, midway. And when they walked in, I mean, my spirit started to bang, red flag, red flag, red flag, and I, and I said, Lord, because we weren't, uh, we were about to sing, we are about to start. And I said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to go in and tell them to leave? Because I will. I'll tell them nicely, but I'll tell them to leave. Because I know what that means. And he, and he said to me, he said, don't do anything. He said, that person's going to get up and they're going to leave. And they're never going to come back because I'm removing them. Because they were a wolf 
They were here with wrong, they were here with a wrong motive. Sure enough, halfway through the worship service, they got up, they left. I've never seen them since. So these leadings of the spirit, they're not always that dramatic, but they're so wonderful. It's the response of, you know, when Brother Jesse said he was in heaven, I know I've gone too long. You know, when Brother Jesse was in heaven and he saw Jesus and Jesus would look back at the Father and there's this love that ebbed between them and it's like he would go into the Father and come out of the Father. That's a picture of our life with him. That's a picture of us in him. He's in the Father, but we're in him. Remember, in Christ. That knowledge at all times. is such a wonderful life. Such a safe life. When I was younger, I used to plead the blood, plead the blood, pray for protection. I don't even think about it now. I, I, I live in it. I'm in it. I, I, I know when there's danger. He alerts. I, it's just a, it's a flow. And the mentality of a Christian that's beginning to learn, because all of us are like that, we're doing the mechanics. The mechanics are so important. When you're learning a sport, you have to do the mechanics over and over and over and over. And it makes you excellent in the fundamentals. But when you're out there playing the sport and you're good at it and you're seasoned, you're not thinking fundamentals. You're not thinking, i got to kick it that way and I've got to angle my foot this way. You, you, you're, it's an automatic. That's what praying in the spirit is. It's automatic. Then when something comes, God, what do I do about that? I don't, I don't have the knowledge I need about that. I'm going to pray that out in the spirit. Oh, it just feels good to go this way. And then you see the fruit of it. You see the positive. You see something being built. That's how you know he's leading and guiding you. Amen? Anyway, you're wonderful to teach. I love you all. <laughs> and uh, Father, I, I pray, Lord Jesus, let them fall in love with the leadings of your spirit, with tongues, with the interpretations of tongues that come up out of our spirit, with being led by you, Lord. Ah, I thank you, Father, for those that are, that are practicing the fundamentals, Lord God. Get them. Get them into that flow of the Spirit, Lord, that easy flow of the Spirit, that, that trust between you and them. They know you will speak to them. And if they're sitting here and they're thinking, I, can't, I don't know if he's speaking to me. I don't know if I can hear him. Lord, I pray that you would just let your peace rest upon them, that they would trust you, that they would trust the process, that they would trust the teaching of your word tonight that there is no special person, that you wish this for all of us, Father. This is your desire for each one of us in this room. And Father, let them go out of here and dismantle things, Lord, that are opposing them. Let them not be intimidated by time frames or, or attacks that are vicious. Let them turn their back on it and begin to operate out of their spirit because you are more than enough. These weapons are more than enough. They're not carnal. They're not temporal. They are eternal and they are strong to the pulling down of anything, Lord. Strong castles that are fortified against us, just like what Joshua went up against, Lord God. But look what happened, Lord. You destroyed it. And that's, Lord, how we're supposed to live. So give us skill, Holy Spirit. Help us to recognize you. Help us to know you. Help us to love your word. Help us to love your processes till they become automatic. Automatic. And all the joy in the growing up. Thank God that we're growing up in Christ. We're getting out of pits of defeat, knowing that we can overcome, Lord. That's a happy life. Oh, and we worship you. We thank you for it, Jesus. In the mighty name of the Lord, and everybody said, Amen, amen and Amen.